Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. I don't know if this is the case for all podcasters, but in producing a long running weekly show, I have an ideas file that is like a living organism. It includes my own show ideas, as well as lots of ideas from listeners, whether they came in from surveys that I've done in the past or emails or direct messages on social. And it's not as simple for me anyway, to address all of these requests in date stamped order, which I suppose would be the fairest approach. Some requests are very straightforward and evergreen, which is why I love producing the mini edit. With this short form version of the podcast, I can tackle lots of these questions. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the mini edit or understand what's up with that, I launched it a couple months ago and it drops on Monday. And these are very short five to seven minute episodes where I tackle a specific question from a listener. So it's a great way to get a little snack on the go. And then the regular episodes like the one you're listening to today drop on Thursdays like they always have. Now, when it comes to a deeper topic, I do find that I need to address the question at a particular juncture that feels meaningful and timely, whether that's for me personally or based on something that's happening in the world. So all of this is to say that I have a very long queue of ideas that I was reviewing recently, and this particular request jumped out at me. The listener asked for an episode on, quote, creativity and art and following your passions, even if there isn't a monetary reward, and even if your spouse may not be super supportive of your endeavors. First, if the person who sent this is listening, I apologize that it took me so long to address this. I'm pretty sure this was a request sent in based on a survey from maybe a couple of years ago. But as I have just described, I've been waiting for the right moment to address it. I mean, wow, it's a really big question. And I also feel 
Like there is so much going on in that one sentence and a lot I don't know about. At any rate, this short note and request made me think that it was a really good time to have an episode on making space for passion projects. In the past, I've talked about the power of creating a self-directed practice. There were a lot of mechanical recommendations in that. There's a bit more I want to dig into in this particular scenario, especially around that note about the spouse and getting somebody on board if you are partnered. And I also wanted to direct you to an episode that launched this year with Kristen May Chase called Healing Through Expression. It's a really great listen. Kristen and I were talking about healing through the expression of writing, which I'll also share about a little bit today, but she is a former creative arts therapist. And so she was also talking about how healing through creativity and expression can happen in many different forms. And she does reference a few different ones in that episode. Now I'm going to make my interpretations on this short sentence request and recommendations based on what was asked and also given some recent transformation on my side. But before I get there, I wanted to make a direct ask. Not always the easiest for me, but I'm learning and growing. I love producing this show so very much, and the letters I receive from listeners make it clear that it is helpful to people, which is my mission. That is everything. And if you've been listening to recent episodes, many of them have been inspired by listener letters, and reading those really, really fills me up. Actually, if you want to listen to more on the power of expressing gratitude and what that can mean for both the writer and the receiver, definitely listen to the episode with Nancy Davis Co. published recently. Anyway, back to my ask. I swear I'm not procrastinating. I would be really grateful if you would help me continue to grow this show. The best way you can do that is by sharing it, whether that's sharing an episode that moves you with a friend, talking about it when you're next amongst people who have a similar edit your life type mindset as you on social media, what have you. Word of mouth is how this community will continue to grow and how we will continue to share a more intentional and edited way moving forward. We'll be right back. Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages six and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal. 
Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. I want to jump into some specific recommendations for how to make space for passion projects. The first thing is, I want you to sit back and identify the thing that lights you up now and why you want to do it. And I specifically mean, I mean, yes, you can make a list. Everybody knows I like making lists. But what I would like you to think about here is identifying whatever that thing or things are and doing so not being bound by practicalities such as, oh, I used to be good at this back then, so I should get back to it. We want to avoid those shoulds. Or I don't have the supplies for X, Y, or Z, so I'm going to rule that out. Try to get past those practicalities that get in the way and are very logical, but definitely shut down the instinctual side of figuring out what it is you want to try to tackle. For me, the thing that lit me up and that I'm still working on has been a very personal writing journey. Later on, I'll explain the why, but it was very clear to me very quickly that that was the format I wanted my creative pursuit to take. And it's been pretty awesome. That's the spoiler alert, but I'll dig in more to the why in a bit. My second recommendation is this. You don't have to set a goal, but if you want to and goals motivate you, then set an internal goal only. It's important to be really intentional about this being just for you. Unfortunately, I do think that the era of side hustles has made it harder to do things just for the sake of doing them. I mean, I've talked on this show before how I delight in cake making on the side. And every time somebody asks whether I'm going to start a business or suggests I should, I kind of roll my eyes and I'm like, no, I don't need more things to be responsible for in an official way. I just want to do something for the joy and therapy of it. And indeed, the listener who wrote in, asked for me to talk about, quote, creativity and art and following your passions, even if there isn't a monetary reward, which is telling, right? So I'm a person who likes goals, even if they're totally self-constructed and arbitrary. I do recommend that you listen to the episode, Creating a Self-Directed Practice from earlier this year. My personal journey with that started last year, or actually technically the very end of the previous year. And I created a totally arbitrary goal of writing 80,000 words of essays in 80 days. And that was really good for me because it gave me something to track and think about and stay accountable to. But again, completely arbitrary and just for me, internal goals only. My third recommendation is if you are coupled, share what you are doing 
if that feels right to you. I was really curious about the listener's comment about how to pursue a passion project, quote, even if your spouse may not be super supportive of your endeavors. There are no doubt some things to be unpacked there, but I will say that if you have used the two previous steps and identified something that is really important to you as a human being, and then you're able to communicate why it matters and how you're going to do it, If you are in a caring relationship, the hope would be that giving your partner an understanding of why it matters to you, because they can't read your mind after all, and I've certainly been guilty of assuming mind reading. I do think that this offers an opportunity to open up understanding and support. Also, even though this conversation may be hard, I do think it's better to address it than feeling like you might be hiding something from your partner or whatever other kind of discomfort could result. As always, I am definitely a move towards the conversation and potential conflict. But I do think in this case, if it's something that matters a lot to you, then that's a good thing to share with your partner so they can be a part of that journey with you and hopefully ultimately come around to supporting you. My last recommendation is more practical, and it is to block reasonable time windows. This is both the most obvious and probably the hardest, but the reality is if you say you're going to just fit in whatever passion project when you have time, you will likely never find the time for it. For further inspiration on this, listen to my recent conversation with Leslie Ford. We were talking about the need to advocate for your own needs at work and how to do it, but we were talking about all of this in the context of the demands on time and the challenges for moms who are in traditional careers in juggling things. So it's really, really important to be intentional about those time windows. How to do it, I would look at your calendar and identify spots where there's less likelihood for canceling on yourself if it's something that you're creating and have the flexibility to create. For me, my writing practice happens very early in the morning at about 7.15 each morning once my younger daughter is out the door to school. You may be bound on the calendar if you're taking like a class, like a pottery thing or a dance thing or what have you, but just you'll have to take a hard look at that calendar. Again, if it's a self-prescribed thing, something you're creating for yourself, I also recommend thinking about your golden hours. These are the time blocks when you feel creative, energized, your mind is more clear. For me, this is definitely in the morning. That's when my creativity and energy is best. And also, I should have mentioned earlier in looking at your calendar and finding those spots where there's less likelihood of canceling on yourself. This is really important because I'm often in meetings a lot during the day. So it's just dodgy, I found. If I try to schedule those writing blocks later, there's more likelihood something is going to get in the way and lead me to canceling. And then the last recommendation is to make the blocks of time reasonable. My writing blocks are only 30 minutes every morning. That might seem too short to some writers. And I wasn't even sure myself when I set it up, whether that would work, but an hour just felt like a long time and potentially setting myself up for failure. And I've found that 30 minutes works great because I'm in it every day and can pick up very quickly where I left off. So make those blocks reasonable. Okay, I have more to discuss and we'll be right back after a quick break. 
I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hello, friends. I'm going to do something I've never done before on this show, and I admittedly was a little unsure of whether it was kosher to do this, and then I was like, of course, yes. (laughs) And that is to read an essay I recently wrote on my Substack, which is christineco.substack.com. The piece is called Healing and Transformation, and the reason I want to read it is because it's a perfect living example of the power of making space for passion projects. Unexpected things happened during this journey, and that's why I think it's really, really important to share it with you today. This seems like the opposite of what good, or at least publishing-oriented writers do, but I'm very close to completing a rough draft of an 84,000-word memoir that I'm not sure will ever see the light of day. Yes, I would like it to be published. But the time and circumstances at present are not right. And as a result, I have not followed the path of drawing up a proposal and shoring up sample chapters and pitching agents. I've just focused on writing for the sake of writing. The bones of this memoir started forming as an exercise last year a self-directed practice in which I challenged myself to write 80,000 words in 80 days as a way to examine my memory and personal story. I was inspired by Stephen King's book on writing. It has always troubled me that my memory is as replete with gaping holes as it is vivid memory, and King's description of his own spotty memory was validating. Brain dumping 80,000 words was not difficult. I set aside time early each morning to write, and I type fast. Some days my writing was stilted and awkward, but most days it flowed, natural and unfiltered. It was a joyous process. 
Figuring out what to do with that writing was a whole other ball of wax, which I sorted out last summer through KJ Delantonia and Jenny Nash's book, Blueprint Bootcamp. Through KJ and Jenny's bootcamp, I was able to develop an overall arc and narrative drive from chapter to chapter that allowed me to make sense of the pile of essays I had written. I had a clear picture of where I wanted the story to begin and end, and how the narrative would unfold between points A and B. It was like magic. Magic went on hold for a couple of months due to work chaos and getting my eldest daughter off to college. And then in late fall, I returned to my blueprint and began what has proven to be a beautiful, grounding practice. I blocked off a 30-minute writing date with myself early each weekday morning and started to flesh out the narrative against my blueprint. Yes, I had mapped which existing essays aligned with the chapter structure, so I did have a lot of content on hand. But in the process of hinging one story to the next, new memories, reflections, and transitions emerged. I ended up doing as much or more fresh writing as I did pulling from my existing essay bank. And then something unexpected happened in the process. I often hear from people that my writing, in particular when I share the difficult things, such as raw and vulnerable parenting moments and the disturbing power imbalance inherent in my first sexual experience, carries a surprising, sometimes startling authenticity. Whether it is due to trauma desensitization or my gives zero fucks attitude, I don't seem to have a shame filter. I feel that every story deserves to be told if a person feels moved to do so. That said, I have also learned that the way I share can be alarming and even hurtful to the people closest to me. How is it possible, say, that I could be hurting so much inside and not talk about it? I can now see how it might feel as if I'm being disingenuous to those closest to me, or worse, that I'm writing to amplify the drama of my life experience. Neither of those things is the case. Decades of training to stuff down my emotions in service of silence and compliance culture no doubt is in play, but there's also the matter of how my brain processes and makes sense of things. I have realized that the act of writing, brain dumping, working through the words, giving myself the time and space to think about what I'm trying to communicate and the impact of history has helped me uncover patterns, understand myself and others, and consider how one event may have led to or impacted the next. As someone who has struggled both with emotional fluency and processing hard, complicated things in conversation in real time, It is now clear that how I process and heal and engage in deep, transformative work is through writing. It explained a lot. I do realize that it still may feel strange for me to put my fresh discoveries into the public forum as I come to them, but this is how I show up as a writer and human being. But back to the blueprint. In the past month, I realized that I was living in real time a crucial piece of transformation. My original blueprint was 14 chapters with a very clear endpoint. But given what I was going through, I realized that I needed to add a 15th chapter and end the story in a different place. It has felt right, and I've just rolled with it. This past Friday, I experienced an epiphany that felt akin to a crucial moment in the fugitive, 
One of those movies that I've seen a million times yet can't scroll by when I see it on TV. It's the scene where Dr. Richard Kimball, played by Harrison Ford, breaks into the one-armed man's apartment, connects the dots surrounding the murder of his wife, and says on the phone to Samuel Gerard, played by Tommy Lee Jones, well, I am trying to solve a puzzle, and I just found a big piece. About a month ago, given some painful life events, I surprised myself when, in an attempt to verbally process what I was feeling, I described to my husband that I felt abandoned and lonely. I cried when I identified that feeling for the first time and have cried or forced myself to hold back tears every single time I've thought about or said aloud that feeling since. Given the range of emotions I've tapped into over the last several weeks, it was perplexing to me why that particular feeling was such a physiological trigger. And then on Friday, as I was working on chapter 15, it happened to be the point of the story where I wrote about the impetus of these feelings. The words began to spill out, and I realized as I wrote that there had been a series of specific painful stages of my life where that feeling of abandonment and loneliness has reared its head, even when I'm surrounded by people. My eyes burned and leaked as I typed. Once my 30-minute timer went off, I stopped writing and moved on to do a 15-minute yoga practice to attempt to reset before beginning my workday. I ended up sobbing almost the entire time on the mat. I couldn't have stopped if I tried. And so I just surrendered and let it go. I took this photo right after I finished. I know I look sad, but this is also the face of discovery and release and relief. Later that day, when my husband and I debriefed on our days, I told him about this moment of discovery unearthed through my morning writing session. And for the first time in many weeks, I didn't cry when I talked about abandonment and loneliness. Stunned, I stopped and said, oh my God, I'm not crying right now. It was both shocking and also made complete sense. I still wish I was better at processing in real time, verbally, with the people I love, but we can't be everything, can we? And whether or not my pages see the light of day, I have in my possession the biggest gift, the discovery of a way to process and heal that helps me make sense of my history, give voice to suffering, delight in the moments of humor and joy, and heal through the reminder of what is in the past, what is real at present, and what I have agency over in my life as a necessary means to move forward. Friends, for your next edit, I want you to think about whatever that potential passion project is and identify internally why it matters to you and how it would fill you up, fill up your cup, nourish you, and jot that down on paper so you don't forget it. That's all. Keep it simple. You'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at edityourlifeshow or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life or review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilled Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. 
The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.